0: To learn more about The Church at West Gantt, visit us at www.thechurchatwg.com or visit our Facebook page, and we would love to connect with you. Have a great day. how's everybody doing? Good, good, good. Hasn't it been a great morning already celebrating all of the the new things that are happening in our church, all of the life that we're able to see with mission trips and kids camp and just all of God's goodness on full display this morning. God is good. Amen. I hope everyone is happy and healthy and wealthy and wise. Uh, Last weekend, the Reverend Dr. Bishop Christopher Bates and the Evangelist William E. Orr and myself had what we've been calling a pastor's retreat. And on that pastor's retreat, we planned our next upcoming sermon series, which I'm really excited about, as are they. And to be honest with you, the, the Holy Spirit was just moving and directing our thoughts and our words and all of those things. And truthfully, I did not know that I was going to be preaching this message until about 11 a.m. last Saturday. So we were all sitting around a table on an enclosed patio or balcony, and I don't know, we were we were kind of game planning our next weeks and our upcoming series, and I was like, well, before we move on, I think I wanna take next week. And Chris is like, well, are you sure? It's already Saturday, you know, that only gives you a week and, you know, you hadn't really had a whole lot of time to prepare for. And I was like, yeah, I think I wanna take this one. So here we are. Um, The Reverend Dr. Bishop Christopher Bates did threaten me though with his executive presidential power and he told me that if I were to wear a suit again this morning, then he would exercise his authoritative right And his ability to veto the vote of having me as the associate pastor. (laughs) So I figured I would heed his warning this morning. Thus, I am dressed a little bit more casually. So sorry to disappoint, but I have to listen to our lead pastor. Before we get started and before we dive in too deep, I do want to open up in prayer though. So let's pray. Father God, we love you. Lord Jesus, we thank you, and Holy Spirit, we invite you. God, I I come to you this morning, I thank you for all the many, many blessings that you have already given us this morning. I thank you for uh, just the gifts of, of life and the gifts of breath and the gifts of newness that you are giving to us as a church. I thank you for the talents and the efforts and the abilities and the ethics and just all of the, the things that make up the people that make up this church, God. You have, you have richly blessed us with just people, God. As I stand here and think about all the faces that fill these pews, God, I'm just surrounded by good people. And I thank you for, for that. I, I thank you for allowing me to be in their presence. God, I thank you for what you are doing in our church, and I, I pray that you would just continue to do more and more and more and more. God, I pray that you would help our church to be a blessing to this community. I pray that we would be able to build your kingdom and not ours. I pray that we would continue to be able to reach lost people for you and not ourselves. God, as as we do step into this uh, message, I pray that you would increase and I would decrease. And I pray that anything that is said or done would only bring honor and glory to you. Father, we love you. And it's in your name we pray, amen. So to get things started this morning, we do have a video element. Just to continue with the theme that we've been working on all morning, I've got another video element that I want us all to watch. So Michael, I think you're upstairs. If you would play that video. How does that video make you feel? Anybody, how does that video make you feel? Irritated. Irritated, okay. Who else? How does that video make you feel? Frustrated. Annoyed? Entertained? (laughs) Typical day. Typical day, that's good. (laughs) So I don't know about you guys, maybe I'm just weird, but during parts of that video, I can literally feel the palpitations and rhythms of my heart changing, and I can feel my heart start to beat faster. But why is that? What about that video bothers us so much and makes us that uncomfortable and makes us irritated and annoyed and aggravated? And what about that video makes our hearts start to beat faster? It's a single word, and that single word is anxiety. And that's what we're gonna be talking about this morning. Does everybody know what anxiety is? I'm sure we do. Everybody knows what anxiety is, but because this is how I work and this is the way I'm wired, by definition, anxiety is apprehensive uneasiness or nervousness, usually over an impending or anticipated ill will or doom, or an abnormal and overwhelming sense of apprehension and or fear, often marked by physical signs such as tension, sweating, Increased heart rate, by doubt concerning the reality and nature of the threat, and by self doubt about one's capacity to cope. Now that's a lot of big words, but we all know what anxiety is, and that's why. That's why my heartbeat is elevated by watching a silly YouTube video because I also stand before you this morning and can admit to you all that I suffer from anxiety. Even something as as simple as a two-minute YouTube video creates a huge unrest inside of me because I do. I struggle and suffer with anxiety. One sign or symptom that was not specified in the definition but is a real result of anxiety is nausea And my nausea is so bad that I have a separate and individual line item in my personal budget for my Pepto-Bismol fund. Now, when I go on vacation, there are three essential items that I make sure that I have with me, and my wife can attest to this, a phone charger, Lysol disinfectant spray, And Pepto-Bismol. Now, I was kidding all the guys this morning, and I told them that this bottle was full before I walked in here this morning. (laughs) But this is just my week supply. On a side note, I have been telling everybody that I've talked to this week that it is incredibly ironic that I am incredibly anxious about standing up here and preaching a sermon about anxiety. Matter of fact, Mackenzie even, even called me out on it and didn't even realize it, but she said she could feel my anxiety sitting across the aisle from me because I can stand here and admit to you guys that I do struggle and suffer with anxiety. But truth be told, I think if we were all honest, I think we would all have to admit that we all struggle with some pieces of anxiety in some way, shape, or form, right? Can I share a few facts about anxiety with you guys. Number one, anxiety disorders differ from normal feelings of nervousness or anxiousness because they involve excessive amounts of fear or anxiety and typically cause reactions out of proportion or, or circumstance. Anxiety disorders can interfere with job performance, schoolwork, and relationships. Anxiety can produce both physical and emotional symptoms. People with generalized anxiety disorders experience restlessness, irritability, difficulty concentrating, chronic fatigue, nausea, dizziness, and worsening worry or fear over time. Maybe that sounds familiar? Other common anxiety disorders include panic disorder, specific phobias, separation anxiety, and social anxiety. Did you guys know that anxiety is so prevalent that even animals can suffer from it? We have a little little dog and he suffers from anxiety. He suffers, suffers from separation anxiety. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental disorder and will affect nearly 33% of adults at some point in their lives. So now I want you guys to do an exercise. First, look to your right and now look to your left and at least one of you that was just looked at or, or something like that suffers from anxiety. So you're not alone. The good news is you're in good company. This, this one really blew my mind. Generalized anxiety disorder affects 6.8 million. 6.8 million adults in the United States. That does not account for children, preteens, or teenagers. That is adults over the age of 18. 6.8 million people are affected by anxiety. That also doesn't include animals. Nearly 50%, that's one out of two, Nearly 50% of Americans diagnosed with anxiety disorder are also diagnosed with a form of clinical depression. Closely related to anxiety disorders are eating disorders, sleep disorders, bipolar disorders, body dysmorphia disorders, post-traumatic stress disorders, and obsessive-compulsive disorders. Listen to this one. Though anxiety disorders are highly, highly treatable, only one-third of those suffering seek and or receive adequate treatment or counseling. An estimated 284 million people worldwide experience an anxiety disorder in some way, shape, or form in 2019, making it the most prevalent mental disorder worldwide. So when did it begin? When did anxiety start? When was anxiety born? When did anxiety become a thing that affects all of these people worldwide? Well, according to doctors and scientists and researchers, generalized anxiety disorder appeared as a diagnostic category in the third edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders in 1980. So what that means in a nutshell is that before 1980, anxiety wasn't a thing. It was a thing. It just didn't have a name. So according to these people, anxiety was born in the year of our Lord, 1980. But I believe that it's been around way longer than that. And I'm gonna show you why. So open your Bible up to Deuteronomy chapter eight. And this should pop up on the screen momentarily. Deuteronomy chapter eight. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter eight, Moses is speaking to the Israelites, and as they are nearing the promised land, he is reminding them of the promises of God and how they are going to be delivered into a land that is flowing with milk and honey, and all of the goodness of God is going to be on full display. So Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 6 through 10. And it says... So you you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you shall eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. You shall eat and you shall be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Doesn't sound too bad. Milk and honey, eating bread without scarcity, stones of of copper, and, and, and things like that. God is pouring out his blessing and his promises on his people. We just read that. But here's where it starts to take a turn. Here's where things start to get sad. To me, this is where anxiety begins to be born. Up until this point, Moses has been leading them and has taken them this far. And Moses has prepared for them to enter into a land that God has promised them. So now let's read Deuteronomy chapter nine, verse one. Not even a flip of the page. I love these no flip page passages. Deuteronomy nine, verse one. Hear, O Israel... You are to cross over the Jordan today to go into dispossessed nations greater and mightier than you, cities great and fortified up to heaven. Now, there's a couple things that I want to pull out of that scripture. In Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Here, O Israel, you are about to cross over the Jordan. Now, in some ways, that's very exciting, right? They know that they are about to cross over the Jordan and step into this land that God has promised them, the same land that we just read about in chapter 8 that's flowing with milk and honey and all of those things. It's exciting in one way, but in another way, it's very sad. In Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 1, he says, Hear, O Israel, you. Notice that he's not saying, We. Moses, the same man that has been leading them for all of these years and decades, knows that he's not able to go with them. Moses can't cross over the Jordan with them. Moses can't enter into the promised land with them. But Moses is telling them that they're about to step into a land that God has promised them just one chapter earlier in chapter 8 and he's telling them that they are about to go see see God do amazing things and they are about to witness miracles and they are going to settle into something that God spoke about centuries before they were even born. You are about to go into this land. But I can't go with you. How do you think that makes them feel? knowing that their leader who, who has led them for decades and decades and years and years can't go into this new land with them? Do you think they were excited? Were they happy? Were they sad? Were they nervous? Were they experiencing any anxiety? Let's keep reading. He says, you are about to go into a land that is greater, that's a big word, and mightier, that's a big word, than yourself, cities great and fortified up to heaven. Moses isn't much of a motivator at this point. This is a terrible, terrible, terrible motivational speech. He's telling them, hey, you're about to step into this land, and they're better than you, they're bigger than you, they're stronger than you, they're faster than you, they're fortified up to heaven, like if... I played football growing up, and if, if, if my coach had given me that speech before walking onto the field and playing a game, we may as well have just stayed in the locker room. The people start to lose their confidence. The people start to realize that there are some prom- problems with the promise. And this is where anxiety begins to be born. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 2. A people great and tall, the sons of the Anakim, whom you know and whom you have heard it said, who can stand before the Anakites? It's a short verse. Who can stand against the Anakites? Anakites. Just the name and the word alone strikes fear into the heart of every single Israelite that is within hearing range of what's being said. It's kind of like in in The Lion King when they would say, Mufasa. That's what the Anakites sounded like to the Israelites. Because 40 years earlier, When they went out to go spy the land that they are about to walk into, they came back, and do you know what the report was? (laughs) There's Anakites there. There are these great and tall people there. (laughs) Who can stand against them? Anakites. Anakites. Moses says in verse two, you know about them. Moses said in verse 2, you have heard it said, who can stand against them? He says in verse 2, who can stand up against the Anakites? So when Moses says that you have heard it said, that means that it is part of their vernacular and it is part of their regular, everyday, day-to-day life vocabulary. It's not that they've heard it once or twice It means that it's a common saying. So just imagine the Israelites are sitting around their dinner table and they know that they're about to enter into this land and you know they they recognize all of God's promises. Oh yeah, (laughs) there's Anakites there. What are we supposed to do about the Anakites? Who can stand tall against the Anakites? Remember, they're greater and they are mightier than we are. They've got this, this city that's fortified up to heaven. They're tall, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. Who can stand against the Anakites? It's not something that they just threw out in passing. It's not something that they just said here and there casually. It's not something that they only said once or twice. No, this was an everyday saying for these people. This saying had become an ingrained answer for a faithless generation of people. That's good. It had become an embedded excuse that was now just a popular saying. Who can stand up against the Anakites? What about you? Do you have any Anakites in your life? Do we slap labels on things to avoid having to work on them? With anxiety, just because we give it a name or a diagnosis, we don't have to give it permission to stop us or halt us from becoming the people that God has made us to be or from going to the places that God has called us to go. That's gotta be worth an amen. Amen. We don't have to use lines like, I have anxiety, I can't go there we don't have to use lines like, what about the Anakites? We can be different from the Israelites and we do not have to accept anxiety as the norm for our lives. We don't. So how can we do it? How can we live into the promises of Deuteronomy chapter eight and not give in to the anxieties of Deuteronomy chapter nine? Let's see what Jesus has to say. Matthew chapter six, verses 25 through 34. It says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to its span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There are three words in this passage that I want to point out. And there are three words that that kind of show us the way to victory over worry. And then one word that I just want to add in there. The first word that I want to pull out of this passage of scripture is faith. And you can find that in verse 30. We all know what faith is, but faith is trusting God to meet our needs. Did you know that all of nature depends on God? Think of all the fish and the birds and the whales and the lions and the deer and the lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and the cows and the pigs and everything else that walks or swims or flies on this earth. They all depend on God. So why are we different? Why is mankind the anomaly here? Why are words like independent and self-sufficient and wealth and success and things like that celebrated so much today in our culture and our society? Jesus mentions the word worry three times throughout this passage, verse 25, verse 31, and verse 34. The Greek word for worry, translated into our language, means to take no thought, and literally means to be drawn in different directions. Worry pulls us apart, and that's why we're different. The birds, they don't worry. The pigs, they don't worry. The whales and and the cows and every other animal that that lives and and breathes and swims and flies, they don't worry, we worry. Until man or woman interferes, everything in nature works together because all of nature trusts God. Does that mean that a cow trusts God more than you do? Man, however, or woman, is pulled apart because man tries to live his own life depending on material wealth. We, we prioritize bank accounts, we prioritize job titles, we prioritize 401Ks and Roth IRAs and cars and houses and the list goes on and on and on. We build up these kingdoms for ourselves and call ourselves independent and self-sufficient and wealthy and successful. But the question is, is your faith in God greater than the faith that you have in yourself? The birds and the lilies do not fret or worry, yet they have God's wealth in ways that man cannot cannot duplicate. God feeds the birds, and he clothes the lilies, and he will do the same for us. But it's our little faith that hinders him from working as he should. The second word that I want to pull out of this passage of scripture is father, Luke 11, verses 11 through 13 says this. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give a scorpion? Excuse me. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if a son asks for bread from a father, what father is going to give him a stone? And if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father give you if you ask? So this morning, what needs might you have? What is causing you to be worried or to be anxious? What are the things that are keeping you up late at night or causing you to be nauseous and have to drink ungodly amounts of Pepto-Bismol? Or what are the things that's making your heart beat faster right now? Not to give a spoiler alert, but I believe in a few minutes Duncan's going to come up here and we're going to sing a song called Run to the Father. And that's what I would encourage you to do. If there are things keeping you up late at night, if there are things that are causing you to be anxious, if there are things that are causing you to be worried, if there are things causing your heart to beat faster, run to the Father. He just said that he's a good Father and he wants to give us good things. What do you need to ask him for this morning? First Peter Chapter 5, verse 7 says, cast all of your cares on him and he will take care of you. Now that's a verse that we've grown up learning and knowing and it's on coffee cups and it's on t-shirts and we see it on bumper stickers. We see that verse all over the place and and it, it becomes just so ingrained in our mind that sometimes we don't even pause to think about the wording that it's actually saying. It doesn't say cast your cares upon God and he might take care of you. It doesn't say, cast your cares upon God and he will consider taking care of you. It doesn't say, cast your cares upon God and he will think about it, he might do it, maybe he'll see how it feels. No, it says, cast your cares upon him and he will take care of you. It's simple. What Anakites are standing in your way and blocking the promises and the places that God has prepared for you? Give those things to him. Run to him. Cast your cares upon him and allow him to take care of you as a child or as a father would take care of his child. The third word that I want to pull out of this passage of scripture is first. We are called to put God's will first in our lives so that he might be glorified. Amen? Matthew 6, verse 33 says, if we put God's will and God's righteousness first in our lives, he will take care of everything else. And the last word, this doesn't come, in, come out of scripture, this is one that I just wanna add in, which is why I added it last. I'm not gonna put my word over the word of God, um, but the last word that I wanna add in is fortunate. Now, when I, was, when I was putting this message together, for some reason, I really wanted the word to be fortunate because it just sounds good to me, like it, it's, we're, anyway. We live in an incredibly fortunate time when it comes to healthcare. Has anyone in this room had any major or significant injuries, surgeries, et cetera? I'll start the bidding with a broken arm. When I was in eighth grade, I was playing football, like I said, um, and if, if you're interested after the service, I can, I can show you where, where the break occurred here in my arm. Uh, I broke it, and I immediately went to the doctor, and I had a cast put on, and then I had several follow-up appointments to make sure that everything was healing properly, and in fact, uh, they even had to cut the cast off at one point and put another cast on because they weren't really happy with with how the break was healing. They did the X-rays and all of that. They said, "Yeah, we we need to recast it." So, does anybody have any any injuries that they would like to share? Or, um, I mean, Tyler could keep us up here all day if he shared all of his injuries. <laughs> any any broken arms, broken legs, broken backs, broken okay. Broken arm, so we got two broken arms. Who can up at an Annie? Broken shoulder, two broken, legs. broken shoulder, broken shoulder. Who said broken leg? Two broke, legs. two broke legs. All right, so, so far she's winning with two broken legs. Anybody want to go in once, going twice? Are there any, any other injuries? Not an injury. So let me ask you, not to put you on the spot, but when you broke both of your legs, okay, but when you broke your leg, what was the first thing you did? (laughs) At some point, though, I'm sure you sought medical attention, right? So this is the part that I don't really understand, If we break our arm, we seek medical attention and we fix our arm. If we break our leg, we seek medical attention and break our leg, or excuse me, fix our leg. We don't re-break our leg. But if we break our arm, we fix our arm. If we break our leg, we fix our leg, right? That's that's kind of how it goes. But why is it so much different with our mental health and our mental well-being? There are legitimate, legitimate things going on with our mental health and our mental well-being. There are chemical imbalances, there are depressions, there are anxieties, there are all these facts and statistics that we talked about at the beginning of the service. Uh, we, are, we are filled with worry for, for whatever the case may be, and we don't seek medical help. Remember, there are 6.8 million Americans that struggle with it, but only a third of them seek professional help or counseling. Why? Why is there such a stigma around it? God has allowed us to live in a very fortunate time where there is an abundance of doctors and medicines and therapists and counselors. Could these, perhaps, be some of the good gifts that the good father is giving to us as his children because he loves us? There was a point in my life, true story where I was struggling with with some pretty major anxiety and even depression and fighting some significant mental battles, and it all came to a peak at about 12.30 in the morning. I was still living at home with my parents at the time, and I was just not in a good headspace as I was still trying to figure out the next steps for my life, and I was having an intense conversation with my parents in my room. I do wanna pause there, and I just ask and implore you guys to cut our youth some slack, 18 is a hard, hard age, and nobody has things figured out at 18. But I was having an intense conversation with my parents in my room, and and some troubling things were said. And my dad, being a good dad, didn't know how to help me best at that point in time. So he made the best decision that he could in that moment. And you know what he did? He took me to a doctor. And those doctors were able to help me and allow me to change my way of thinking and rewire my brain and reprogram some things and give me a different perspective and and allow me to see things through a different lens. And the same thing can happen for you if you need it. We live in an incredibly fortunate time to have access to these tools and these resources and these doctors and these therapists. So if you are struggling with anxiety or mental health pieces, seek help. I promise you the help is there for you. You just have to do your part in seeking it. I stand up here in in this space right now and and I do want you to hear it said from the pulpit, I'm a firm believer in the fact that it is okay to not be okay. But I don't wanna stop there because I do believe that it is a sin to stay that way. It is okay to not be okay, but it is, a sin, it is a sin to stay that way. If you wanna talk to me or if you wanna cry to me or if you wanna listen or, or anything like that, if, if I can help you in any, any way, then just let me know. You've, you've got my phone number, you've got my email address, you've got my ear, you've got my, my attention. If you need anything, I will be more than happy to help you the best way that I can. Don't continue to carry around whatever is bothering you or weighing you down or causing you to be anxious or worried. Do not let anything stop you from possessing the peace that God has promised you. I'm going to say that again. Do not let anything stop you from possessing the peace that God has promised you. Do not let the Anakites stand in your way. Matthew chapter six, verse 34 says, loss of joy today, uh, worrying about tomorrow does not either help tomorrow or today. If anything, it robs us of our effectiveness today. This also means that we're going to be less effective tomorrow. Uh, A quote that I came across while preparing this sermon is someone has said that the average person is crucifying himself between two thieves. The regrets of yesterday and the worries of tomorrow it is correct to plan and even save for the future, but it's also a, a sin to worry about the future and permit tomorrow to rob today of its blessings I'm going to ask uh, Duncan to go ahead and head up here and and start playing softly in the background. Uh, But I do want to read one more passage of scripture to you. And it's Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, With thanksgiving in your hearts, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen to some of these words. Be anxious about nothing. But in everything through prayer, in everything through supplication, with thanksgiving in your heart, let your requests be made known to God. And when you make your requests be known to God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and will guard your minds through Jesus. God has given us a promise. God has given us a peace. And God has given us a process. Do you believe God's promises that he has for you and your life this morning? Are you experiencing the peace that he offers by submitting to his will and by putting his ways first and above your own? Are you following the process of praying to him and seeking him and allowing him to love you and care for you as a father would for his own children? In closing, I am going to pray for us all collectively and then as Duncan sings our closing song, I would encourage you and implore you to meet with God this morning. I'm gonna I'm gonna come down front. I'm sure Chris would be glad to join me. If any of you guys need anything, if you need prayer, if you need supplication, if you need me to intercede to God for your behalf, I will be glad to do so. The altar is open, and I would encourage you to run to the Father. Cast your cares upon him and allow him to take care of you. Let's pray. Father God, we do love you. And we know that you love us. God, I thank you for your amazing, amazing love and your kindness and your goodness and your graciousness. And God, as as good as you are and as gracious as you are and as kind as you are, God, I... I know that life can still be hard. I know that there are giants standing in our way. I know that there are things that that distract us and, and make things seem impossible. And I know that when things seem impossible, it creates anxiety and it, it just, it's just about control at that point, God. But God, I thank you that I don't have to be in control. I thank you that you are, omnipresent and omniscient and omnipotent. And I know, God, that, that you are much bigger and greater and mightier than I am, God. And I just thank you for, for creating a way. God, I thank you for providing peace. I thank you for providing uh, just all of those things that, that you do give us, God. But I do pray those same things for your people, God, I know that you have made promises for thousands and thousands of years, God. I know that you made promises to the Israelites, but God, you also make promises to us. God, help us to lean into and live into those promises this morning, God. The same things that you said to them, you say to us. God, you are the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and the God of Moses and the God of the Israelites. But you're also our God. And you're here for us and you love us and you care for us. So God, I just pray that whatever is is weighing us down this morning or whatever is, is blocking us from entering into those promises, God, I pray that you would just remove those, eliminate any distractions, eliminate any anxieties or worries. God, just help us to see you as our Father and to see ourselves as your children. God, we love you. We thank you.